episode 29 of the Creation Grounds. Welcome, CGS. If you've been with me this long, I appreciate you. And if you're just joining, welcome. This episode features Brian McManaman, the fantastic, magnificent Brian McManaman. If you haven't been introduced to this man's work or introduced to him, I suggest you get on it because he's such a joy to be around. He teaches acting classes and he also specializes in preparing actors prepare for their MFA auditions. His success rates are through the roof. People are getting into the programs of their choice left and right. And this guy has so much to offer. He's a Yale grad, so he knows his stuff. He also is going to talk about in this episode how to break down a character, how to prepare for MFAs, basically what he sees actors go through in terms of their preparation and the top three mistakes they make. We talk about uh, his stint on Gotham as Clayface and, and a lot, lot, lot more. So enjoy this episode with Brian McMenamin. Very excited to welcome our next guest. We're in Manhattan right now with Brian McMenamin. How you doing, Brian? I'm really, I'm really good. How really good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, so I'm just going to dive in. Who's okay. been the most influential in your life and why? I would say the teachers that I've had, honestly. Yeah. I mean, from a very early age, I think that being a teacher and um, being on this end of things, I think it's, it's clear that the people who have been most influential in my life have been the teachers that I've had. From a fourth grade teacher I had who was really encouraging of me to get expressive and creative and then onward when I went to an arts high school and that kind of relationship that I formed with the teachers there that was on a more artistic level and um, in fact I, I maintain relationships with my high school teachers to this day which is pretty amazing um, and the teachers that I've had in, in my acting training as well I think that they've helped me understand what a life in the theater is how I can best serve the students that I teach as well as having um, a foundation for a craft in the sense of like what it means to be in this art form and have um, a lasting life in the business. So I would say my teachers. Do they have names? Can you yeah, I mean there are many. So I yeah. feel like the danger of listing anyone is that I'll exclude some, but my fourth grade teacher was Mrs. Smith and she was a fantastic role model for me at a very early age. and. I credit her even to this day with being um, a force that helped me see myself in a way that I, I don't know that anyone else had and giving me that kind of um, courage and permission to express myself. I, I did this like expressive dance in her classroom and she was so positive about it and I think no one had ever sort of said, yeah, you can have, um, you can take up space and you, this is a place for you and there's a lot of ridicule and bullying and, and, and that kind of stuff that you have to overcome. So I, right. I feel like she gave me something really powerful to hang on to. Gave that strength. Yeah, it's so important for all of us. And I think one of the reasons I say influential is because my um, they've influenced me last in a lasting way. Yeah. And, um, and then I would say my high school teacher, Barbara Morin, who I'm still in touch with, really helped me understand this as an art in 
not necessarily just something that is enjoyable, but also has repercussions for the world around us and a responsibility and how to serve and um, what the craft of acting is. Uh, and then I had fantastic teachers at Boston University where I studied acting, and Bill Lacey is, is one of them, who really gave me a love of Shakespeare and a real sense of its history and um, how to own that language and not apologize. Say uh, Ron Van Lu was a huge force in my in my training as an actor and as a role model. Vivian Benish, who I worked with at Chautauqua, remains a huge role model for me. She manages to not only have a life as an actor, but as a director, as a teacher, as an artistic director. Um, Austin Pendleton is another role model awesome. of mine. A legend. Um, yeah, a legend, <laughs> and and so humble. Yeah and create such a foundation of humbleness in his work and in the room that he uh, creates as a teacher certainly taught me um, about what it is to teach and to act and um, that's stayed with me and I think of him as a role model. Evan Yanoulis who has like raised the bar for what it means for me as an actor to um, be responsible to character and how to um, be in service to a play and a director and uh, and then all of I mean really honestly anybody who's ever taught me I feel like I take away something and I store it um, yeah. and like I think uh, what we all do is, is, is find something that we can attach ourselves to in terms of usefulness and then let go of the other stuff and so it, in my own relationship to acting and in my own teaching my own directing it's really hard to say where any of it is coming from at this point um, certainly there are memorable moments where these teachers have handed me some gem and I, I, I can remember those but um, overall it feels like I've been so fortunate and privileged to have such a foundation underneath me and that has led me to be person and artist and teacher that I feel like I am today, so I feel really lucky. They have lasting impact, man, because you're you're taking what they taught you and you're teaching everybody else, and we're grateful to Miss, Miss Smith and, yeah. and all those people who uh, helped create you who you are. Um, would you say that they, uh, what was the day that you realized that you wanted a life in the arts? Was it Miss Smith or was it that dance expression? I think there was something that happened when not only did she give me that permission, which is so crucial, I think, to someone young who is looking for a door, and that door opens and you walk through it. I think she opened the door, and, and the next thing you know, I found confidence because of it. And so I would say it was, it was around then. And then gradually, over the course of my life, more and more permission. Any time I feel someone has opened a door to me, it's as a teacher, an actor, a director, given me a job or created space for me to do something. And I would say also the students themselves. It's so humbling uh, to have students show up to, to be taught by you. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, that's an inspiration in itself and a great responsibility which I take super seriously. Yeah. Um, tell me, so you're from Minnesota, right? Mm -hmm. 
tell me about the day. Was it? Uh, well, I'm not gonna tell me about the day that you left Minnesota and came to the East Coast for the first time. Whether or not it was uh, Boston or New York, it was to leave home for the first time. Actually, it was a summer program when I was I was 16. That was transformational to me, and um, one of the reasons I value summer programs so highly is that it's a sample of getting out of your comfort zone. So I went to Chautauqua, which at that time was led by Becky Guy, who is now a friend of mine at um, Juilliard. And that experience of getting on a plane and going and meeting people from all over the country and having a chance to learn about, um, to learn about myself, really, in, in, in light of others, was hugely transformational because I didn't sort of know what was beyond my small town. And so I remember that being like, wow. And, and, and then just to have exposure to people from New York City and Pittsburgh and um, different ways of, of living and uh, that. And then when I did go to BU for the first time, it felt like I really taken a sense of uh, what I wanted to do with my life and move it forward so like it felt like the big, a big step in the same way that it felt like leaving Boston University and coming to New York also felt like these big um, courageous acts right. and um, and they've now I'm, I've been in New York for over 20 years and that is pretty remarkable to me um, I, I feel like it was gradual steps to this city, but um, looking back, it was a big deal at the time. See, tell me, so you um, left BU, was it, did you go to, did you, grad, did you go to grad school immediately, um, right after, or did you wait a couple years? I didn't go to grad school immediately, in fact, I didn't even know um, grad school was a real thing when I graduated from undergrad. Um, I had no interest in it. I was determined to um, have a life as an actor in, in New York, so I moved here. I luckily came with my equity card because I was fortunate enough to do my first professional show while I was finishing my last year at BU, which was pretty remarkable. And um, it was six years between when I first got to New York and when I left it to go to Yale. So the first three years were me exploring what it means to be an actor in this town, really finding my feet. Um, and then I auditioned for grad school three years in a row, so it took that long. Oh, wow. And, um, it wasn't immediate. Well, it's, you got to Yale, which is amazing. What was that audition experience like the third time? Or the first, what was the most memorable audition experience at Yale for you? I think it was certainly the end of the day callback for me. And I think about it as a surrender to the teachers that I was working with in the room, meaning it left the feeling of it being an audition and what I had become accustomed to thinking of auditions as, which were these opportunities to um, impress. The thing I remember about the audition at Yale was that it became less about that and much more about working together that we were collaborating um, 
So I was working on a speech, and they were very much opening um, doors for me to step through them, uh, for me to give give over in their hands. And I remember that being a choice. And uh, I feel like because of the rapport that I was able to have with, at the time, it was Ebony Newlis and Walton Wilson, it was a remarkable giving over that I think was memorable to me. And ultimately, I think what may have made it go my way. Right. That's beautiful. What would you say is the uh, book that you've gifted the most in the past year and why? It's funny because I have a four-year-old. So the books I've been giving are to other parents. Um, <laughs> and they tend to be children's books. But, but one book that I really like is called Tango Makes Three, which is about these two penguins. It's a children's book, it's a picture book, but it's about these two penguins at um, Central Park Zoo. And um, how these two male penguins formed a relationship that the zookeepers started to notice. And it's a beautiful children's story, which is actually based on these real penguins that had um, like a homosexual relationship and tried to hatch an egg. Um, together, like they became parents, or they wanted to become parents, essentially. And the zookeepers saw this, and they were trying to like hatch a rock because they saw all of these other, um, all of these other penguins doing it. And uh, the zookeeper put a real live egg that wanted to have, I guess, the parents in um, their hands, and they hatched this egg together. And so it's this really beautiful story, and as the parent of a son with two dads. Uh, it's, it's really beautiful to see how that can be um, exemplified in, in a storybook. Yeah. And so I, I've given that book a few times this past year. And uh, it's, so I encourage people to check it out. Do you know the author? That's Peter Parnell. Peter Parnell. If you can work with any actor, dead or alive, who would it be and why? lot of actors, so it's difficult to think. Um, live or dead? Dead, I would say it would be so fun to work with and or just see somebody from Shakespeare's company, Richard Burbage, and, and to get a sense of maybe what that looked like and how the performances of that time differ from the work that we do now and what we appreciate to get a sense of um, the original, sort of the, the original, uh, what, what, how would I say that, like the, the first performances of some of these plays in the hands of, of Shakespeare's company. Um, in the same way, like, wouldn't it be amazing to see Moliere like, work on his own mm-hmm. stuff at the time? And so I think about about that, or even just going back all the way to like Greek drama, and to just to see what that was, yeah, and, and certainly to learn from from that. Um, and then alive, oh, wow, too many. Stuff to who, who inspires as a who inspires you the most as a who, or is there somebody who inspired you to besides Mrs. Smith? Was there an actor or actress that you like kind of like latched onto that you really 
said, wow, I want to do what they, they are doing. I think many and, and, and always, I mean, it feels like every time I go to the theater or see a film or a television show, I'm, I've never idolized anyone in terms of their work as an actor, but I, I really responded, I think, to, I can think about this year, I, I was really blown away by Laurie Metcalf in Hillary and Clinton, and um, I just love how dynamic she is and fearless and so I think about that, I think about her, and I think about, gosh, I just worked with a remarkable um, group of actors. Um, Michael Benjamin Washington uh, on this reading for um, Pride, uh, this Pride plays that Michael Urie and, and a few other people put together. And his, Bayard um, Rustin was amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and just like being on stage with him and watching him work was super inspirational and I, I would say that in every project that I get to work on there's always somebody who floors me um, and, and I would say that is true for many of the students I teach as well like I'm always walking away inspired by um, they may not be the most known actors and they may not have um, the awards yet but to, to be in the room with something when it happens and, and uh, to see people taking real risks and challenging themselves and each other and, and I, I would say students are my inspiration That's more cool. often than the people who are doing it because it takes so much to do what we do. Yes, it does. <laughs> and I think we, when we see somebody up there doing it, we don't necessarily know what went into that. Yeah. So I, I would say that. Um, so you teach a break, you teach a scene study class. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Um, what's the key, if there is a key, to breaking down a scene or a character for somebody who might be in Minnesota right now that's listening, or somebody who doesn't really necessarily have the access, what, and they want to act? What would you say is the key to them studying the craft or breaking down a scene um, or a character? What's the foundation of that? Well, it's. I wish it could just be one key. I wish it could be as simple as that. And I think part of it is knowing yourself mm -hmm. ultimately can lead you to the best craft. Um, and I also think that one of the common traps that I think we all fall into is that it's not what it looks like. It's not about what it looks like to others, that is our gauge of success. I think too often we're interested in, is this looking like the thing, rather than is this responding to, um, and is this having an effect? Meaning, are we living truthfully under the imaginary circumstances? Are we being true to the work of this writer and how we can find ourselves in the work? before we've decided to depart from ourselves to find character. What do we bring and how can we bring that forward through a unique and authentic expression of this character that no one else can do? So I think that authenticity, that sense of ownership, that sense of permission, um, and always zeroing in on the inspiration that we have as actors 
um, to respond to, which is the play. Right. The, the, the writer's genius is to put something on the page that then needs us to live through and to bring um, to life. Tell me the story how you created Clayface and um, your experience working on that show. Well, it was a wild ride, partly because when I auditioned for the part, I didn't know that it was a comic book character. So I was rather surprised in my makeup tests and costume fittings to hear this word constantly being thrown around, which was Clayface. And I, I didn't understand, A, what Clayface was in terms of Batman, because I wasn't a huge comic book fan. But also the character, as I was auditioning for, wasn't listed as being Clayface. Right. Um, so it was a surprise to me to find out that, um, first of all, that it was a character in the Batman legacy, and that um, and that had a huge history. I mean, so when I first figured that all out, and before I shot the episodes, I did some research. I actually wandered into a comic book store in New York and asked if they had any sort of information or comic books or um, they could help me and they did in in a really generous way and so I learned A that they, this character has uh, a huge following and that made me feel very responsible to um, the character and the fans of the show but also it was being written in a very specific way so as far as creating it goes I, I feel like it was all on the page and I had to sort of show up and give over to that. Yeah. Uh, I do remember, too, that there was a lot of freedom given to me in terms of creating the character, in terms of like what was being asked for on the day of shooting. And, um, there was a lot of improvisation, and um, since then, um, I had the chance to shoot more than one episode, which was really fun to return and be the shapeshifter and, and work with Paul Rubens, who I thought was really, really exciting. And he uh, was a great person to work with. I transformed into um, the Penguin's father on, on that show. And um, as well as Jim Gordon, who, you know, Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Um, it was great. It was a wild ride, I have to say. And, um, a learning curve for sure, but um, a lot of fun. And it's really cool in this day and age of social media to be able to interact with fans of, of, a, of a character because it, it was inspirational to see that people really cared about this character and, and what happened with it. And certainly people were happy and people were not happy and people wanted more and people didn't. And did you have trolls? Like, people that are trolling? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I did, and autographs and requests for um, all sorts of things, and, and I thought it was really exciting. And, you know, there are people on Instagram and um, Twitter that have sort of been following what I've been doing since, and um, supportive, I would say. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any bad experiences. Um, uh, it was fun. It's good. Really and neat. It's I mean, a fun world to be part of, though. I would yeah. imagine. Like it's, it's. And I had no real desire. I, I, I do have actor friends who would, were really excited for me, and um, it, 
was a kind of dream of theirs. But to me, it was like, I don't, I don't really know what this is. So I, there was a kind of freedom in that, too. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the just let it, let it go kind of. Yeah, because I had no real expectations for myself. Yeah. It was fun. Let's go. So what are three things that you, um, what are three top things that you see actors struggle with in preparation for MFAs or in even scene work with you? Yeah. Well, I think with MFA programs and um, auditioning for those programs, it tends to be, uh, I would say, one of the things that people think about, and I wish they wouldn't, is about what they're looking for, which makes sense that you would want to know that. Unfortunately, what happens is that you start to think about what they want, you start to imagine things that are not true, and you start to sort of diminish yourself in order to fulfill some expectation of what you think they want right. without that real knowledge. And I think it's much more exciting than that. I think what it is instead is about not fitting into any mold of what they might be looking for, but instead making sure that you show up and that you are comes into the room so that after you leave you may have become the thing that they want without having ever done it and so unfortunately the answer isn't to give them what they want but of course finding your way to do the thing that ultimately helps them understand who you are is the thing that I think they they tend to want which is people who are aware of who they are, free with who they are, enjoying what they do. It's incredible to me that more often than not, it looks like people don't enjoy this. And I watched the auditions while I was at Yale, and I was really saddened to see that it looked like people didn't enjoy acting. Like, what do you mean, like stiff or like... Soft? Like they were terrified, yeah, yeah. as though this was an examination right. or feels an <laughs> execution yeah, of yeah. some kind and that perhaps the people behind the table were going to whip out a gun and shoot you at, you know, when the reality is so much different. They cannot yeah. wait for you to come in. Yeah. They're dying to meet you. And, and the, the exciting thing is that when you bring yourself into the room, it's undeniable. Yeah. And so anything that gets in the way of that pure intent only harms you. Right. So they tend to say all of the things that they want uh, in terms of the kind of experience they're looking to have in the audition, the kind of actors they're looking for. But nobody really listens to them because it feels like they, and by that I mean on the websites and in their videos, they couldn't possibly just be looking for people. I have to be more than myself. I have to be uber talented. I have to be extraordinarily good looking. I have to be the best. I have to give the best performance they've seen all day. And in fact, none of those things are true. Um, so I think it's become, if you can walk it back to just coming back to why you love this and bring that in the room above all other things, you'll be helping yourself and you'll be helping them. And that's a lot. Yeah. That was one. Do you have two others? Oh, God. Or two so others. So bring, um, bring yourself, be authentic. It could just be if that's the big thing, too. That is the biggest yeah. thing. And um, it 
it's, it's kind of all-encompassing because from that you can choose to do material you love and you can be open with yourself and you don't have to worry about what they might see um, in terms of the expectations I have to deliver. I remember my experience auditioning was very much about, at least the first two years, it was about me trying to demonstrate who I wanted them to think I was. Yeah. In terms of type, in right. terms of the kind of actor. But I wasn't being true to myself. I was just worried, thinking from their mindsets. And I would say that's the main uh, hindrance of applicants, which is from the moment they think about grad school auditioning, they think about the people behind the table. Right. And they just don't want you to be thinking about them. And so if there's a way to think instead about what you want to say and what you want to do in the room and how you can bring yourself forward for yourself, not for them, it's that's cake. Cool. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. I think that's going to be valuable to a lot of people who are auditioning. Um, so I know you worked on a couple of things. Um, just Rattlestick was the pride plays, right? Um, and you currently did some other films. You said, "What are the what are or what? What are you currently working on, and what do you desire to do next?" Yes. So in the fall, I did a feature that I'm really excited about, um, called "The Subject" by Chisa Hutchinson. Chisa had originally written this as a play, mm-hmm. and then adapted it into a screenplay. Uh, it stars Jason Biggs and a really incredible cast. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, and I enjoyed working on that very much. I also just am doing reshoots actually for a film that I worked on, a horror film feature that is called The Path um, by Tom Archdeacon, a filmmaker in LA. We shot it in Jersey, and I have a great role in that. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that one, too. And then, at the end of next month, I'm going to be working on another feature called Tale of the Wet Dog, which is by a New York filmmaker, um, Joe Bendetto, who I've worked with in the past, and um, this is his first feature. I'm really excited about that. And uh, so that's what's coming up. Awesome. Yeah. Any release dates or anything like that? Character? I don't know any of the release dates, no. unfortunately. So I can't wait to find out. Just look out for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, sounds awesome, man. Yeah. I'm excited. Or you, you seem excited. I How am excited. Yeah, yeah. And this horror film I did is just, I, I just loved, loved, loved the script. And he's a, a director, writer, uh, super talented, making his um, first feature. And I have a really great role in that, too, which is... Not to give too much away, but it, it, he's um, very much a suspect of, of all of the, uh, the horror going around. Okay. And this, this family and these two sisters who have survived their parents' death. Okay. Awesome. If, okay, so if the old you could see the new you, um, what would the new you say? So I've, 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 my impression of you is that you're, you're just awesome. You're rooted in who you were. I never knew that you were a bully, which you mentioned earlier. Like, um, what's that transformation? You seem like free people love you to me you're you're like a light you know what I mean mm-hmm. like from from me from all your students that I talk to you like you're just gifted at what you do at teaching you're talented and uh, you're just such a joy to be around so if the old you can see the new you um, 
has there been any transformation? Have you always been that way? Um, what would the new you say to the old you? Wow, thank you, first of all. That's really nice to hear. And sweet of you to say, I, I, I don't, hmm. It's funny, I was just at home back in Minnesota this week, and my mom collects everything, um, and I left behind a lot of stuff that I think I had collected over the years. Um, newspaper clippings, photographs, like pho um, just memorabilia. And I wrote this rather, I mean, I think it's hilarious, but I, I wrote a letter, or a biography of myself. It must have been an assignment in the third person as a freshman in high school. Um, so I had to write a biography about myself. And, and then part of it was about the future, what, what's going to happen with Brian McBannon, which I thought was really funny. But what's cool about it was that I was really able to like get a, a view in, in, inside where I was at the time and what my own sort of hopes were. Mm -hmm. And I was proud uh, to see that much of what I had hoped to do, I am doing. That's a privilege and such a thing that I wish for everyone, and I know that's not the case. My grandma actually, um, she passed away last year, but she was a huge source of inspiration for me, mainly because she had such an incredible light and spirit and soul, and really, I feel like was an entertainer, but never got the chance okay. to be um, right. because of life circumstances. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of. Uh, a lot of people have to encourage a life in this business, yeah. meaning there's often a lot more discouragement of the life of, of an artist mm -hmm. than there is encouragement. And I think uh, my grandmother is a huge source of encouragement, so I would credit her with kind of giving me um, the thing you call that light. Um, and I'm also so inspired by everyone I work with. I, I think more so than I give, I get in terms of teaching and my life as an actor. And, um, I love it. I think that that's one of the things that has kept me going, which is a love of being in the room yeah. with the thing. Well, so you kind of touched on this already. Um, so you might have already been answered. What drives you to give back and teach students? I feel like you've answered. Mm -hmm. um, what have you learned from teaching that has helped you in your own craft? It's kind of reciprocal in that every time I act, I learn something about how to teach, and every time I teach, I learn something more about um, how to act. And in some ways, I feel the conversation is a good one for all actors to put yourself in the position to be able to help someone with what it is to act helps you be able to do the thing. Yeah. It, it, it puts you in the position of having to be an expert or at least have something to share, mm -hmm. and that builds confidence. Right. So I, I, would, I, I am always encouraging of, of actors to step into the role of sharing and uh, giving back, um, finding out how much you do know. Mm -hmm. And that has been huge for me and, and I'm so grateful for teaching because it has helped me understand um, how to do it and mm -hmm. how difficult it is and I think it, it's an honest conversation 
to be in the room with the art form and to have a sense of, oh, this is, this is a really interesting endeavor, and this yeah. is not always easy. And right. I think as an audience, it looks easy, mm -hmm. but to really go through the back door of the craft and to really understand what's involved, how to be your best. Um, you know, it's funny, I, I just finished working at the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival, which has been a dream of mine, but I was there as an associate director for Much Ado About Nothing, and um, I Did ended you see up... Central Park? Did you see... I did oh, I missed man. it. It's so it's, good. If it's still running, I need to go. I think it closed, man. So it we, was so good. It, it was, was at the same time as oh, the man. one we were up there, and I was hearing great things. Yeah, it was incredible. So I was... I was sitting on the outside of this production. Um, Maya Dralis is the director, and she was um, pregnant, and she wanted me there in case the in case the baby came early, right. which it did. So I ended up um, taking it to the finish line as a director, which was exciting. But before that happened, um, one of the actors in the play uh, had a, a death in the family and had to leave. For a performance, actually the first preview, and they all looked to me to understudy him. Um, so, with a day or two's notice, I went on, and it was a remarkable experience because I had been on the outside of it, in the sort of behind the director's table for such a long period of time, for many weeks, and then to be on the inside of the play and to see it from that perspective was maybe one of the more enlightening things that I could have experienced because the nature of, 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 of a director, of a team, is to be on the outside. And the actors are all very much experiencing something. So to experience something that I had been viewing mm -hmm. helped me really understand it. And I think that's often what I'm, what I'm, up, what I'm discovering as an actor and as a teacher. Right. To, to do both is so important because if you're only viewing it from the outside, you forget what it takes to do and what the experience of an actor is. Right. But to be on the inside um, and then never to be on the outside, meaning never to have the experience of translating how, how to get this play from the outside um, to life is, uh, is difficult too. So I, I kind of think this, it was this extraordinary sort of sublime experience to be able to be in a play that I had worked on from the outside and to see it from that angle was really cool. It's cool. What drew you to specialize in MFAs? MFAs are teaching MFA acting. Well, that's a really good question, and it's been uh, quite the ride. I mean, I never had any intention of being a coach at all and only because I graduated and, and I was on a panel at the public theater about for the, the Shakespeare lab at the time there was an interest in, in what MFA programs were so a friend of mine who worked at the public brought me there to among other people to discuss what happens at an MFA program and why it might be a good option for um, some of the actors there and it ended up that I had so much to say. Yeah. I also learned so much the hard way in my experience of auditioning for the programs. Meaning by the time I got in, I, I had 
so much knowledge about mm-hmm. how to go about it in a way better than I had. Yeah. Um, and then while I was at school, like I said, I watched the auditions. Uh, and then since then, I've had the privilege of being on the inside of some of these institutions and having the chance to teach there and to direct. And so I've really seen it from every vantage point as an applicant, as a student, and as a teacher. Um, and so I feel like because this become, this remains a thing that actors are very much interested in, seeking more training, that if I can be of any help in helping people achieve that, that thing that is so valuable to me, certainly my time at Yale was extraordinary, and um, I have such admiration for these institutions. So if I can be of help in helping people demystify this process and to really get a sense of what um, they can do to best position themselves to succeed in this, have no choice but to help. I feel obligated in that way and compelled to. Well, we thank you. Um, I personally worked with you last year. I'm very happy with my results, and I hear the same thing from all the other students. So uh-huh. if you're listening and you haven't worked with Brian McManaman, check him out. Um, how can people sign up for your scene study class or your MFA audition classes? I guess they can go to my website. I, I have like a form they can fill out there and, and, and to stay in touch with me and just let me know interested and, and uh, I, I tend to have auditions for classes usually in the fall and in the spring okay. um, and coaching always on an ongoing basis um, so yeah um, what's that website just Brian McManaman yeah it's brianmcmanaman.com you'll find it I got it when you, I ask all my guests this um, when you think of the word creative who's the first person that comes to mind and why ah. I would say my son um you know, he's four, and this, his imagination is limitless right now. Right. Uh, and his ability to create and be creative without any expectation for societal norms, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, where can people connect with you? I mean, I guess I, they can connect with me on my website, and also I'm on Instagram and sometimes Twitter. Facebook. Like Facebook. Yeah, I have a Twitter thing. I'm, I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet much, but I but I follow Twitter. I okay. just don't often. I'm not very big on the output there. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, it's been valuable. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sharon. <laughs>